All right. Welcome back to another episode of Just Another Bozo on the Bus. I'm Paul Randack. I'm kind of your host, but today we don't really have a host. We are here for number three. Number trois. Three? Three. Yeah, the third. I know we've been here four times. The first one's in the ether somewhere. Uh, <laughs> Welcome to another episode, this being the third episode of the Bozo Roundtable. Um, I'm joined today by... Brady. <laughs> Hello, Brady. Amateur tattoo artist, Brent Hansen. <laughs> <laughs> and, and surfer extraordinaire. His tattoos are all in the form of scars, scars. on his legs <laughs> from falling. Mostly from softball. Softball, mountain biking, yeah. Mm. Living I'm, life. It's from life. living life as well. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It just shows that you've lived, Brent. And right. I'm Sarah Robotham. Robotham. Thank Robotham. you, Paul. Yes, you got it this time. Yeah, I got it. I got it. After a year I've and been half. practicing. <laughs> After almost two years. In the mirror at night before you go to bed. Uh, exactly. Set about positive exactly. affirmations. Right. Robotham. Yeah. There you go. Okay, we are uh, back again. We have a couple topics we're going to talk about today. And uh, a few we probably don't know about yet, but we'll, we'll see what comes up. We're, we're going to start with the first one, which... Well, anyway, does anyone have any announcements? You guys will. We should talk about you guys are going away for six weeks again on a trip. Yes, right? sir. indeed. Which is Not at, me. Which is when we did the episode last time. It was right after you guys. I think your episode right after you got back. So yeah, my yeah, my episode with you um, was the week. Yeah, the weekend we got back from. We went last year. We went to Costa Rica for three weeks. And when you say we, and when I say we, I mean me and Brady. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I'm not included in the we of this next section. We didn't even so know you I'll then, just be man. Quiet. <laughs> and not as life partners. Uh, oh yes, please. Yes, no. just which would not, be fine. Yeah, but, which I would mean, be fine. I'm just I just making don't find that him that attractive. <laughs> Single and available. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Promotion <laughs> of myself. Yeah, right. Anyway, but yeah. So this. So we went to Costa Rica because we. Uh, fortunately have the luxury of being able to do our jobs remotely basically anywhere so and brady the year before or i guess yeah i guess the year before you went to bali yeah did it and and worked and also and toured and played and i thought that'd be a great uh thing for me to do as well so we got together and went to costa rica and then this year we're going to the big island of hawaii for six weeks starting december 1st through January 11th, and uh, we're going to hang out there and work and surf and tour and... Try to surf. Try to surf <laughs> again, yeah. Even uh, if I don't get up, I quite enjoy it. Yeah, the ocean's a formidable opponent. <laughs> yeah. So, so formidable. It is. Yes. The yeah. ocean, which includes gravity. Uh, yeah. the, first, the first day surfing, yeah. I ride this wave, I can't stand up... Um, get into the shore, stand up, and I got this huge long board, and I'm looking over at Brent. Meanwhile, a wave comes in, picks my board up, and karate chops me <laughs> right in the neck. And I'm over there, bending over, can't breathe, and then my neck is bruised for like four days, like right out the gate. <laughs> yeah, we got pretty beat up, actually. <laughs> but <laughs> it's all worth it. It yeah. was all worth it. All right. Can someone take videos while you're there? No, no. <laughs> they can't. I think I might join for a week, and I'll <laughs> I'll bring I'll bring my yeah. my phone, take some good videos. 
Well, that, we need some what a great opportunity. It know? is. I mean, this really is an amazing opportunity that a lot of people don't have the luxury of just being able to pick up and take their job wherever they go. Right. Um, I mean, obviously some people do, but it allows you guys the ability to do things like this, which is really quite amazing. It's cool. And traveling is just what a way. Yeah. What a way to get outside of um, just what you're doing here, you know, sure. perspective and to change experiences your and yeah. just traveling right. is great. No doubt. And of course, December, I mean, you well, over Christmas, <laughs> I over always... Christmas, you're going to be, <laughs> you're going to be in a, I mean, I guess we call it a tropical Island, but it's, it's not quite tropical, but it is Hawaii. Yeah. So absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. The mom's a little less excited about being gone for Christmas. But yeah. Yeah. My mom's I'm, not too happy, but she's well. Yeah, she's you know, right. just tell them it's 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 the winter solstice, and yeah. you know, it's a good time to be in Hawaii. Exactly. All right. All right. Um, so let's our first topic, and I, I'm going to mess it up. So Sarah, what what, what we were going to talk about? What were we going to talk about first today? Um, the happiness. Yes. Yeah. So we, the three of us, Brent, and Brady, myself do a refuge recovery meeting um, that Brady and Brent started quite a while ago, and I joined them this last winter. Uh, last couple weeks ago, we were talking about happiness and the difference between contentment versus pleasure-seeking. That topic kind of stuck out to me because for quite a while, um, during my mid-sobriety of... I. I feel like I had gone to a good place of contentment and just feeling at peace with myself finally, uh, which took a long time. And just being okay in the moment and being okay with not having all these big events and big things and milestones to to count on. But the last couple months have been I had a you know, a big vacation coming up. I had I'm buying a house right now. I have all these things that I started really getting some stressors over and I found myself not feeling the contentment looking for happiness and pleasure seeking a lot more and didn't realize really it was happening until we had this topic brought up at our refuge recovery meeting. So that's kind of the topic. I mean, I don't know if anyone so wants to I, chime in and we can well, kind of I, talk I, about I'm that. curious. Kind of, you, then did you think you were... Um, you were looking, you were seeking pleasure in external things, exactly. Instead of finding contentment, exactly. I, I wasn't feeling as at peace with myself, and just I wasn't finding that overall, just you know, good feeling of being okay. And all of a sudden, I wasn't okay with just being okay. All of a sudden, I wanted to be better, to have more, mm-hmm. um, and looking for external things Uh, I started dating and that's I know one I think that played kind of a part of it because I went through divorce this year and I think I had gone to a good place of just peace and contentment within myself while I you know was just single for the first time in a long time and I think that when I started deciding to get out there and start dating that was a big part of um needing to have more and that you know i don't even want to say validation because i don't think it's that but just the pleasure seeking like things to look forward sure. to and dates and meeting new people and all these things yeah. and 
that was definitely an external way I was looking for something to feel good about or something to be excited about. Mm-hmm. And it was, I didn't realize it at the time, but it was harder in my everyday drive of life to feel just that, okay, I'm good. Things are fine. If I wasn't having something to look forward to, all of a sudden it was, I felt more stress and anxiety like I used to. And it was a good, it was a good reality check. Well, you know, one of the other probably components of this, and if it is a component, but maybe pleasure seeking, I I think pleasure seeking and validation may have some differences or fundamental um, differences between them, even though they can maybe come from the same thing. Ultimately, um, you know, seeking pleasure is maybe not as much directed towards a certain type of act, exactly. activity, but it is definitely ex- externalized. It is, yeah. For the most part. For yeah. the most part. Yeah. You know. Um, but the idea of being, of, of being content is not needing anything, ex- I mean, not needing any external um, resource or sense of validation or, you know, excitement or... or um, Interaction to feel okay about about who I am. It, right. I, I suppose that's the basic differences. So when when you look back, and I, I get, I, I I get the the uh, you know no all of a sudden noticing that I, I've I found myself more grounded. I'm more contained um, as far as in I, some sense of integrity within myself, and I'm living this new life, and I'm sober, and then I'll, um, I start wanting more. I start feeling good. Right. And I go, this feels good to feel good. <laughs> and then I want a little more I of want this. More of that. And mm-hmm. so does contentment then is that sort of some evolution of contentment into um into pleasure seeking? Yes. Definitely. Okay. I think that being content was great for a long time cuz in a way that was new. And so that was in a way pleasurable and exciting because I hadn't been content and just at peace in a long time. So that was enough, you know, and then all of a sudden I'm kind of just sitting with that and, you know, life starts to happen. <laughs> By the way, life happens life when you're sober just too. Ha- starts to happen. <laughs> life continues happening. Even when you're sober, things go wrong when you're sober and as I started doing some new things, like I said, some excitement with you know my house being a big one, um, you know, getting out there and meeting new people and dating for the first time in eight years, that started seeming exciting. And then all of a sudden, the contentment mm-hmm. wasn't quite enough. And so, and then the interesting part is finding a way to get back there. I'm glad I realized it and kind of it clicked mm-hmm. that okay, yeah, I need to get back to a place of just kind of being okay and being content. But when you're in the moment of pleasure-seeking, it's kind of easier said than done. Uh, And the correlations between drug-seeking or using drugs to find some kind of pleasure, even if it's a numbing pleasure, Mm -hmm. obviously the the parallels are pretty strong, it it feels like. Very true. Um, Because pleasure-seeking... There's such a high involved in that, no matter what it is, um, and part of the part of the chase itself becomes part of that pleasure. You know, it does. Yeah. It really does. And to not have that chase that you, you know I had when I was in my addiction with alcohol, it felt really good. 
at the beginning because again mm-hmm. it was a change and it was new but then all of a sudden things start to just be so even keel and I don't want to say mundane but maybe a little bit mm-hmm. and then I start to look for a little bit more and I know I don't want to seek that in alcohol again and mm-hmm. you know where am I going to seek that who knows I mean everyone has something a different sure. way to seek that and mine has just been in kind of that waiting for the next big thing Mm -hmm. and not being kind of that waiting for what's going to happen next. I want to get waiting for the next big thing. Yeah. And, Uh. and I hate that concept because I hate that I'll be happy when I hate that concept of Mm -hmm. I'll be happy when X, Y, and Z. And I, but I've been playing that lately. Hmm. I've been playing that game of I'll be happy when the big one is when I get in my house, it's been about three months since I've been under contract. So it's been this long process and, I keep thinking my anxiety will lessen and I'll feel more at peace and more content and everything once I get into the house, once I close and I'm, you know, out of my parents' house, out of their hair and I'm by myself again, I'll be Mm -hmm. able to get back there and feel that when really that's all internal. I mean, I can feel that no matter where I am in life or living and I don't need to look for it in external things, but I've definitely been playing that in my head lately. It's a wicked game. It is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a it, it's the concept that comes up in in refuge recovery is um, that happiness is closer to contentment and acceptance than pleasure, and so I think the acceptance part of it is a big component of that having uh, of, of being happy is just accepting where you're at in the moment and being content with it. And uh, since and it's it's been I'm glad that you brought the topic up, Sarah, because uh, after that and then you've also referred to it a couple of times in our aftercare. And it's been good because over the past couple of weeks, I actually have really tried to focus on that and being um, accepting and content with where I'm at uh, on a, on a day to day basis. And it, 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 it really translates into feeling, you know, a generalized happiness, you know, and not waiting for the next big thing but just you know accepting that hey today was a good day you know and 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 going back and just being grateful for you know the little thing it just it makes you more aware i think of the little things that you have in your life you know um food shelter clothing you know you're healthy and it just all those things really do i think at least for me i feel contribute to an, an overall feeling of happiness on a day-to-day basis when I can put that into perspective that, yeah, happiness isn't pleasure-seeking. It's not, um, there there are going to be those times where you do have those moments, but again, those are going to be fleeting and that's not ever going to be a permanent state. And so by being able to to stay in in a mindset where, you know, happiness is closer to acceptance and contentment than it is to pleasure, I think is a very powerful, um, philosophy or, or sure. I don't know, yeah, whatever term yeah. it is a very principle that would be I guess a, a good word to say Principles is, a, is, a, is a very yeah I think it's a very powerful principle um, to live by and by the way there's nothing wrong with <laughs> pleasure right yeah the, you can't it, have pleasure you can only be content <laughs> right, yeah. right. over the line there's these pleasure. rules around pleasure <laughs> you can only have contentment <laughs> no because if pleasure's about feeling good. Right. And you can feel good from uh, being content. 
So you can experience pleasure by, by experiencing contentment as well. The, the key I think we're talking about is, as far as a, a, a fundamental component is seeking something, which is nothing wrong with either. There's nothing wrong with seeking something and, um, you know, putting an intention out to direct our focus and our will towards that. But this idea of seeking pleasure is, I suppose, contrasted by I'm not feeling okay. Or, and I... And, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I, I think sometimes that happens, Some, I mean, actually sometimes, quite often just on an unconscious level. I'm not necessarily aware that I'm not feeling good or I'm, maybe I'm, I'm not feeling contentment. And so the thought comes in, well, what can I do to change that feeling? Yeah, and I think that's kind of where I was at because I didn't realize it until we had that refuge meeting and it kind of clicked with me. Oh, wow, maybe that's why I've been feeling a little off lately. You know, I haven't internally been looking... For that happiness as much i've been looking for in external things and definitely seeking opposed to just being and i think you're right i think you can there's nothing wrong with having pleasure or you know seeking it to a point of intention but it's when you go i'm only going to have pleasure when or if, if. Yeah. yeah and if it, De- yeah. deepak if chopra wrote um i think it was in a book overcoming or addiction or something like that he wrote um that uh, that seeking pleasure was was fine. That um, that's it's a, it's in, in a way it's a noble, honorable thing to do. It's just where we do it. It's where seeking pleasure and the and that I, I, if I get remember this correctly, it's like addicts, people that are addicted to substances are just seeking pleasure in, in unhealthy or the wrong places instead of finding a way right. to find it within themselves. You know, to have that sense of contentment. And um, I, this probably um, touching upon the idea of what we do seek uh, becomes part of it, you know, because being content and, and feeling okay and being at a, uh, maybe a state of peace within oneself, this really is a beautiful thing. And, and it's, it, it, it's, I guess it's, a, uh, I'm, one of you guys just said this, and I apologize, maybe both of you. It comes down to acceptance I, and, and really willing to accept ourselves in the moment. Are we okay? Am I okay? Am I okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Am I, am I okay? You are okay. Okay, thanks. <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking about it, and a thought comes to mind around pleasure being more potential for damaging to the untrained mind and I'm using quotes like <laughs> air quotes yeah air I don't quotes, know exactly yeah. what that means but like <laughs> in Buddhism they talk about the trained mind skillful activities versus unskillful activities and I remember listening to an interview of Will Smith where he said there's nothing more agitating to the mind than extreme pleasure and I was thinking about that and at the time I really resonated with me because extreme pleasure has derailed my life like when I've experienced extreme pleasure in the past, I have taken it and ran with it, created destructive behaviors to chase it and to try to recreate it over and over and over again. Hmm. But the pleasure isn't so bad. It was that, you know, maybe, and, and, you know, I'm really just thinking out loud, maybe it was, you know, your ability to contextualize how it can enhance your life wasn't where it needed to be because you took that pleasure and it everything became about that pleasure whereas you know like 
sex, for example, an orgasm is like heightened moment of pleasure and it's a really positive thing. Um, and it can enhance your life and it can enhance your partner's life or, you know, it can become an addictive thing that you chase. And it's all about, I feel like how you're able to take in that pleasurable experience and kind of format that within yourself and mm-hmm. for what you get out of it. Right. And man, it just feels like ever since getting out of treatment, I've been on this journey of training my mind to understand how to participate in those kinds of activities in a way that doesn't just completely derail me. Does that resonate? Sure. Well, and th- that's probably the, the acid. I mean, it comes back to, you know, it comes back to feeling the sense or allowing oneself to feel contentment and be okay in the moment. I love this notion of acceptance when sort of embracing this, this thought or this philosophy or this energy of being content, of accepting ourselves in that moment. And contentment is hard because I want contentment until I have it for very long and I get bored of it. And then I want to shake that shit up and have excitement, you know, which usually leads to anxiety because I shook it up in a way that maybe was not the healthiest way to do it. Right. Yeah. yeah. But it's like when, and then the contentment sure looks damn good again when I'm like in that like whatever heightened state of emotions is because I chose to do this thing. But, uh, you know, I love the, the idea of contentment and peace and, and that kind of thing. And when I have that, like, I cherish it. But it just seems like, for me, I, I have a short lifespan with that before I got to go shake it up somehow. Right, right. <laughs> so maybe, maybe this comes down to something as simple as contentment is... is is, is accepting my responsibility and my place um, of accountability to provide a sense of grounding, stability, love, self-acceptance. And, and that leads to or, or becomes a form of contentment where pleasure-seeking, there's something not, not quite in balance or harmony within myself so that I'm looking for something that's going to um, change that or alter what, what I... what Because I, I guess if I'm seeking pleasure, I mean, maybe I said this earlier, but am I, you know, am I not feeling okay or am I not feeling a sense of balance or um, stability? Yeah, I think it's kind of like, am I see, I'm seeking pleasure at the expense of what, hmm. you know, because... Um, if you don't if you want to say pleasure seeking isn't a bad thing to do it's it's like well in in my past anytime i've seeked out pleasure like it's always come at the expense of myself at the expense of others in really negative ways yeah you know what i mean yeah. um because pleasure is powerful pleasure is like that you know we're i'm all we're all looking for that like <laughs> Fire those neurons, kids. Yeah. I think um, I think intention plays a big part in that too, though. When we talk about seeking pleasure, um, what what are what are my what, what are my intentions in engaging in this activity? You know, is it to shake it up or whatever, or is it you know uh, is there something that I'm not not comfortable with in at the at that time with myself, and so I feel like I got to change something, and so. 
I don't, I don't know. I think you have to look at your intentions of, of whatever it is that you're going to be engaging in, you know? That was really true. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, I think you nailed it, Brent. Um, Way to go, Brent. Yeah. I was just thinking, I'm like, wow, that's cool. Because with intention, I mean, I think about the things I've been. a little epiphany and catharsis right in that moment. Yeah, wow. Mind blown. If you could only see the room. (laughs) Brent has a halo over his head. Yeah. No, and that's something I've been trying to, like, put pinpoint as far as the, you know, pleasure seeking, especially with the new to dating scene of trying to have my awareness about it not being you about... You keep bringing this up. <laughs> I know. I know I said I wasn't going to talk about this. But it's just interesting because I wanted so... I have been trying very hard to see my intention behind that and be aware that it's not about, you know, external things like validation, as we mm-hmm. talked about earlier, or um, I'm missing something. You know, I'm, I feel like I'm missing something, so I need to fill that void or having the intention be, you know, maybe I'm not enough unless, you know, someone is telling me I'm enough or something. I'm not saying those things are true, but I'm saying I'm thinking about it right now after Brent mentioned intention and I well, want it. It's a powerful example, really. <laughs> yeah, I want to be it. very aware of that because that there's, to me, that's one of the biggest external things is um, st- from other people. And that yeah. doesn't have to be just dating. I mean, that's can be in the workplace that can be within family structures but seeking that i'm not okay unless right. you you know someone is providing that feedback that i am enough and it's just something i'm going to sit and think on for a minute <laughs> so so wait hang I'm, on just pond, just, I, just, I'm not saying are, that's are, the case i'm just going to ponder are on you it. enough is that what you, are you are you asking that question out loud <laughs> let's not go there right now <laughs> No, of course you're enough. Right. I mean, you're, you're you're perfectly enough, exactly the way you are right now. I mean, it, right. there can't be any, nothing else could be can be true. I mean, if if we're being honest with ourselves, I, we we are enough exactly the way we are in this moment. Um, we may feel or think or or project that 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 we we may need things in our lives, but if we're being completely honest with ourselves in this moment, we are enough. Right, and I firmly believe that I am most of the time but now i'm just having that second thought of let me make sure my intentions regarding certain things in my life or even the fact that i want to get into my house you know that means that it's just about that and about having my own peace and not because i feel like i've been living with my parents for five months you know i mean it needs to make i need to just kind of internalize that is this about finding the contentment within myself opposed to seeking something that I'm lacking mm-hmm. or, you know, and just something for to think about. Well, okay. Um, you, you guys are friends, right? Aren't you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Are we? Yeah. Okay. Are we friends? <laughs> Is that what we're going to call it these days? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes, we're... It's whatever you want to call yes, it. Yes, we're okay. all friends. Good friends. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Non-life friends. partners. <laughs> Good friends, non-life partners. <laughs> three time, two, three-way life partners. Okay. Uh, so, um... This, the, the, where I'm going with this is, is that, you know, are, are, do you find yourself 
in in friendship needing the same kind of things. So, you know, the idea there's a whole story and narrative about dating, right? That's so different than friendship, even though they get cloudy and and messed up sometimes as as far as dis, you know defining or dis, or drawing a distinction between them with certain types of relationships. But friendship, you know, ultimately provides the basis and the foundation for about everything except for the partnership or pairing up piece, right? Because that also kind of messes up friendship quite often because it changes the dynamic of the relationship. But there's nothing wrong with that. That's fine. Um, and I'm not saying by any ways that, you know, you guys all go off and, you know, pair up and stuff like that. But um, do go on trips together and, and have fun and enjoy that, of course. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> if you said not to, we'd still do it. I, mean, I know. <laughs> I know. I know. But that, that's the joy and the fun of, 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 say, of saying it in the first place. Well, I mean, these friendships are so uh, dear to me. And I f- feel that that was one of the places of contentment that I found myself in. Was, that's where I'm going. Yeah. Right. Was right. when I, my, I was surrounded with my either myself my family or these friendships you know Mm -hmm. a few others included but definitely these these guys here Mm -hmm. and the contentment was kind of at an all-time high at that point you know feeling and that wasn't because i spent you know every day in their company but Mm -hmm. just knowing that i always i always felt like enough i never felt like i or still feel but you know that was never that's never an issue i always feel like enough and i always feel like myself and i always feel at peace and at home with friendships like these and accepted accepted exactly yeah i don't know if i would say i always feel like that even with close like like good friends you know Ouch. like that not oh, that's a <laughs> yeah, thing. Just kidding. Not just kidding. <laughs> what an asshole <laughs> um no that's a me thing like i i that not enough feeling i feel like it can arrive in my gut in my whatever like amidst family amidst close friends like for me at least like mm-hmm. it's it just it shows up and it's you know that fraud feeling like i'm a fraud i don't it's not an overwhelming thing where i feel like it's all the time but like you know i mean i just look like like that just shows up for me you know how do you mean you're a fraud what, what do you mean by that like that fraud feeling you guys don't get that as addicts like for me i I totally look back on, and and it's more than just like the drugs and alcohol, you know, things in high school, um, where like now I'm trying to live a conscious, aware life in a different way than what I have done most of my life. And that's not to discount, you know, the 30 years that I lived before getting into treatment. It's just that my like... um, you know, my headspace, my energy, it was fueled towards to all, like, external things and caring so much about what other people think, and I've tried to shift that, and I tried to live more conscious, more centered, in a way that is more, um, you know, loving of self and helping of others, and all that kind of shit. <laughs> but, like, um, most of my life, it has not been that. And so that fraud feeling where it's like, this is not who I really am. Sure. This uh, is not it. You're talking about, I mean, uh, correct me if, if I'm off here, but I, it feels like you're talking about the idea of beginning to, one, become conscious and aware of the masks, right? Mm-hmm. You know, which may be 
in, in the tens or the hundreds or whatever. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, lots. Yeah. I mean, if um, so, so, this this idea that we become aware um, of some type of falseness about ourselves or maybe being out of integrity, what, but often that can be associated or, or correlated with masks that we wear to function or show up in different aspects of, of uh, a somewhat of a fragmented life, um, you know, whether it, it be associated with wanting to please other people, um, you know, seek validation in certain ways, um, keeping peace in situations because I, I may be uncomfortable with being honest. So I, I wear a mask in those kinds of situations. Um, uh, another part of this I even think about as is, is be, is being a parent is there's a, a parent mask or there, actually there's not one. Right. Mm-hmm. There's not one parent mask. There's a ton of them. But, you know, and it changes even sometimes with children. And, you know, even though those roles, they, they seem like roles at times, there is, is often a sense of unauthenticity to them. Yeah, there is. And I imagine, Paul, you might be good to talk on this, actually, because you talk about transcending your addiction. Like, yeah. Yeah, you, you used the word addict, and I was going to say that a minute ago. I'm not an addict. Yeah, exactly. And, and I don't identify right. as an addict in meetings. Um because I'm, you're a lot further along in the journey, and I've heard you talk about this idea that you've transcended your addiction. You're not that Paul. Like, that's not who you see yourself at all as. And if I'm being honest, like, I, I see that, and it's like, I want that. I want to fully kind of transcend that persona, that identity that I have been for so long. Um and I feel myself shifting, and but transformation is not like an overnight process, no. right? It's a long. It, who knows how long it is? I, I don't. Know. I don't know what the answer is. Whatever, right? But I know for me, like I still, um, as good as my life has become, like I still find myself identifying with that, like addict, that fraud feeling like like we're talking about, right? And when I hear you talk about that, it feels so powerful and authentic, and it feels like you've really made that trek, you've made that journey, and you've got lots of years, you know, away from like your, just like, what was that, what was that, when did you, and can you even pinpoint like, oh, I really started to feel that shift and okay it's, it's a fair question and uh, yeah I'll, I'll, try, I'll, I'll try to answer that to the best of my inability <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I, I think somewhere around f- five years the addict nomenclature began to dissolve uh, um, I mean I, I had sort of thoughts and feelings about it but because I had so much indoctrination into um, the disease or the twelve step model that um, i i didn 't I, I, I kept this conversation going that no you 're just in denial I mean I had all these these you know these phrases um, or, or or statements that would defend the nomenclature and some of the precepts of what addiction is thought of as a as a lifelong disease once an addict always an addict um, I also knew that that wasn 't true there was part of me deep down inside but I just I just wanted to you I used it as a tool and I used the label as a tool to support um, changes in lifestyles, consciousness, and even this issue we're talking about today with pleasure seeking and contentment um, of finding this with finding all of that within myself. 
and, and discovering all that. And, and it, it took some time to when I got completely comfortable. And it was probably seven or eight years in that I finally went, you know, <laughs> none of this is, is me. I don't even, you know, I don't know that person anymore. I understand them. And I can, I can say that I lived that. I, that was a person that lived. But I have the version of myself then, which is even different today, and I even look at this even from a different perspective today, that it's all kind of a life process. It's all an evolutionary process. When it happens, um, I mean, there are, I think, epiphanies associated with it because there's sort of a freedom and, 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 and deep. You, this word contentment is a perfect word for this because I had a sense of that's not who I am. I am not that person anymore. I still am, you know, identified by a label of a name and, you know, some some ideas I have about myself. But I don't know who the fuck, you know, I, I doesn't st- I didn't stop being an asshole and I I didn't stop, you know, being a jerk at times and I didn't stop making mistakes, but I the compulsions and the obsessions were gone. At least needing to self-medicate with substances. That that was well, that was gone. I was Com- comfortable being in the the deepest shadow of emotion, and I was also comfortable being in states of of ecstasy, and not having to have it be prolonged, or have it be drawn out, or find ways to to meet meet to to meet it. I, I love hearing that. It gives me a lot of hope because we, as we were talking right before we started, like I am almost a year without. Any sub, any kind of like mind altering substance here in a few weeks, and it's like I feel myself changing, but it's hard to identify. It's hard to put into words. Like some of like the compulsion isn't like there, like it used to be. And this is just just like at a year, and I've never felt the fog lift like this because you know for the past. 10, 12 years, like, it's just been, you know, fogged with substances and whatever, like, uh, uh, like, really highly, and so, like, coming in this year, it's like, oh, wow, like, I wake up, and it's like, oh, my God, like, I, I slept without anything for reals, <laughs> like, not even an over-the-counter pill, you know, like, and you just feel, feel your brain and yourself kind of coming out of this fog, and to hear you talk about that journey being like seven, eight years, mm-hmm. it just makes me some renewed energy towards staying sober, right? Because of how much better inside of me sure. it's going to get. Well, let me let me let me be honest too, because I, early on, even even a year or two in, I started having these these um, feelings that some of this was bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> but I had these conflicting storylines running in my head, these these different narratives, right? One is, no, this is, you know, you're an addict, you know, an addict. And, and I, I, I never liked that word anyway. So I said, no, I'm in recovery. So I, that, that sense defined that. And then this other word that probably many of you have, have heard and learned, and I know um, Todd Sylvester is a big proponent of it, is the word recovered. And this, so I'm talking... I don't know, 18 years ago. that I, That's the sort of dialogue I began to have. But the old narrative just didn't get erased immediately. And I don't know if that's, you know, <laughs> a little bit of still some necessity or some insecurity about not wanting to adapt it earlier. 
But, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say that how long it takes to get there because sure. I, I have no clue. Sure, you know, I get that. I, I'm, just, I'm just saying it's just good to hear that, that your journey with it, right? Because I'm not there. I know that just off what I was ta- talking about, that fraud feeling, talking about that whatever, like all that shit, right? And it's like, um, who knows? I don't know what the journey for me is going to look like. I just know that today it's more different than it's yeah. ever been. Yeah. And that feels good, and it doesn't mean it's all better. It's just more different right now in terms of being in recovery than what I have experienced up to this point, which which feels... You know, mostly good. (laughs) (laughs) Things are mostly, (laughs) mostly okay. I'm not like Mr. Positivity. I'm not like, I'm not all things positive. That's just not, you know, but it feels mostly good. It feels, um, yeah, it feels like a shift. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've always liked this terminology, by the way, you know, being okay in my own skin. You know, I just, I always like that regardless of what one considers their obsessions or compulsions are in life. But, you know, that the ability to just live within oneself and be okay or content. I mean, this going full circle that, that I'm okay in my own skin. Just as simple as that. Take all the drugs, the alcohol, the sex, the money, the uh, obsessive nature, the secrets, the lying, the masks. I'll I'll push that all away, and am I okay? Can I sit in my own skin? That, that to me, is is the premise of of what health and healing is. And and whether you want to call it transcending addiction, I mean, that's the terminology I used, and and I've probably wrote about that. But it's much more than just that. It's it's, it's about learning to be okay. Really, truly, yeah, this this is contentment. I mean, right. I'm coming back to it. It is really, I'm okay with myself. Yeah, I think that. And not believing that I'm in denial, I, and not and knowing that I'm not, in, and knowing that what the difference between de- when I'm, if if I find myself coming into some form of denial, or um, you know, the, and and the blinders come up, and they I, they do. I've, I've, sure, I've, I've, yeah. I have bias. I have you know. I'm confirming my my stories all the time, especially the ones I want to believe. So, this is one though that that I know everyone will find finds their way through it, and and, and it looks different. It looks different, right? You know, I get that. Yeah, you know. So, what were you going to say? Sorry. Oh no, just that. Yeah, going back to that. That's exactly why I think it hit me so hard about the pleasure seeking and not feeling as much contentment was because it took me. A good year and a half maybe even longer to get to a place of contentment and peace within myself to be okay with me <laughs> to be able to sit with myself I used to always want to be going out and doing things and being with people and I had a really hard time just sitting and being and I I'm leery of ever going back to that feeling because I got to a good place after I don't know maybe nine months or something into sobriety and I I want to be very aware of that I guess that's one of the reasons I brought it up originally yeah. and you know we can kind of cl- you know end I guess the topic with that but that's one of the reasons I brought it up was because I know that my life I can have moments of going back to that but it's just being able to be aware of yeah. when those times happen and being able to look at it analyze why it's happening and and get back to a place of 
being okay with myself and being content with me and sitting with myself and and as long as I think you can be aware and acknowledge that then because for me I'm sure it will happen many times in my life where I go through phases of you know pleasure seeking but I don't think I'm you know if I don't have to sit with that for too long then and it's okay to I mean again it, it, it must be some Again, it comes back to intention. It must be okay to seek pleasure. I mean, uh, and maybe that's the difference, pleasure seeking and seeking pleasure. I don't know. <laughs> like so, I'm splitting hairs in some irrational, you know, twilight zone for a moment here. But, you know, do 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 mm. uh, Is it okay to seek pleasure? My gosh, of course it is. Well, yeah. So I'm curious. Now that drugs and alcohol are out of the picture for us, what... What is a pleasurable activity to you? Like, where do you find pleasure, right? Like, well, I guess I'm just curious. Well, I mean, one of the pleasure-seeking things that I was looking forward to, which is probably something I would assume maybe that you guys are, it would be the same as traveling. Um, I is that this. pleasure, though? I want to define traveling. As pleasure? As For pl- me. Pleasure is like a heightened... A heightened sense A heightened of, a moment of feeling really good <laughs> like that's pleasure right what? like well, orgasm then, then sex right then sex. sex I think the bite of a cheesecake like that moment right um, well, I have pleasure when I have my first cup of coffee in the morning but that's a small very small <laughs> pleasure but those are the things oh, I, I think Brent appreciate. was talking I can appreciate that I think those yeah. are the things that Brent was saying earlier about appreciating those small things and finding I think you can find pleasure in smaller things it's just maybe that's the difference of pleasure seeking you're looking for bigger things so where I, just, I find pleasure I think in small things too no and I'm, I'm not saying I don't know what you find pleasure in I was just asking <laughs> I was just wondering right like for me um, by the way I, I like that you brought up orgasm a couple times because <laughs> you're you know, my head's at Paul <laughs> <laughs> because it's like you know, you know, it's pleasurable whether with you were the partner or not. In my experience, yeah, I don't need yeah. Right. But you know, an orgasm, an orgasm is an orgasm. But the the idea is, if if that becomes my focus, though, right? Then and that then the pleasure seeking is all about having the orgasm. Then. It, I mean that's that sort of you know some some heightened state that I have to feel like I have to have it. That's where it becomes an obsession. Right. And that's, in the that's, where that's another addiction, addictive nature. Yeah. yeah. You know? it, that that's where. You that's know. why pleasure can be so like interruptive to your life. It's intoxicating. Because, it's yeah, intoxicating. You know, like other things for me, like when I really think about the word pleasure and what it means, like I when like I just ran like a ten mile trail run the other day, right on Thursday and. Man, right when I was coming up at the end of that trail run, that was pleasure. Like I, you know, I had that high that you know it didn't last very long, but that was pleasure to me. Um, like obviously, I don't want to mention it again because I brought it up twice. That, but like <laughs> you know, like the moment you stand up on yeah, a surfboard, that's what I was like gonna if you're say, catching yeah. a wave, you know, that moment you stand get back, up, you, you, get, you get that rush. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just don't know that in my life there's a lot of pleasurable activities that that I seek now that drugs and alcohol are out of the picture. But see, I think I feel like I look at pleasure a little bit differently. I see what you mean about like a heightened state, but I don't feel like it needs... For me, I don't feel like it needs to be a huge 
thing. Like, I don't feel like it needs to be. A, I get pleasure I out of the Tinder ding. <laughs> when when I get a new match, before I know who it is, right? The, the phone that that they have their app beautifully done. So you hear that ding, it's like, oh, I wonder who that is. Oh, um, this is that's classical you know, conditioning that's a, that's 101, a, that's a, man. That's a hit of conditioning I, 101. See, I wouldn't say the that's bell goes off. That's what I Yeah, but but to me that is pleasure, right? Right. It's defined as like this this really extreme dose of like right but I don't feel like I need to do big things and have it be like a rush to experience pleasure personally I don't know like I mean that is that does that feel like a rush then to get a tinder ding in that right in that moment I love it yeah I got that team. Yeah. I wonder, you know. I wonder. That, that's, that's a beautiful yeah, example of classical conditioning. You know, yeah. it's really short-lived. Yeah. But, right. Um, but I like it. I like it a lot. Um, I'm just trying to think. And I was just curious, right? Like, what... Because if we're saying pleasure-seeking isn't bad, like, like what are the things what that are the we good? really find pleasure in? By the way, that, that's, that is the strongest the type of um, reinforcer for um, conditioning is intermediate where you don't always know you're going to get something. Right. You always don't know when it's going to happen. It's like playing a slot machine. You just keep putting the money in. You think, but eventually it's going to come. I know. It, it just will it come on this that time? Would, that would be another one. Like, I, like I'll, I'll go play poker with friends or go to Wendover. It's like I turn the cards over and it's I got two kings. Hmm. Pleasure. Oh, God. Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, I love that feeling, yeah. right? Yeah. That, that, that's, that's, that, that is... These are forms of conditioning. And then there's some operant conditioning in here, too, like the reinforcement. The reinforcement's like the bell, but your response to it's the classical conditioning, meaning that you've been trained when you hear the sound to go, oh, somebody likes me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, the people that design these things know exactly what they're going, they're going to are basic instincts of pleasure. Instant Even their sound, like Tinder, like they have the, the dinging sound. It's mm-hmm. so much better than Bumble's. Bumble's. Oh, maybe I need to turn that on because I never have my sound <laughs> on. Maybe like, I'll feel I'm more conditioned <laughs> now pleasure if I turn on the ding. And they send you three heart emojis. You got a new match with three, three like, lovey eye heart emojis. And it's just like, man, they got this shit fucking down. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yeah, I get it. Oh, yeah, I, I need the ding on. I think, but yeah, I, I, get ding, ding ding I get the point. I get the point a little bit. The pleasure yeah. of the moment. When I see that I've been super liked, I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> someone's super liked. I mean, the super is maybe that's feeling pretty, pretty okay. special. All right, silly. this is this is good. This is really good. So. That's this is, but we're all talking. Oh, not where we are all talking about, except Brands, who hasn't said a word. In this, <laughs> this is part. Um, that is not is true. External. I mean, in this just little yeah, last segment, yeah. external validation, yeah. right? That somebody is interested. The epitome of external validation. Yeah, is the ding on the Tinder app. Oh, they have a good ding. Yeah, <laughs> the ding and the super. Yeah, see, I, I, I'm not on any of the social media dating things, so I, I'm out of my element. Yeah, obviously, um, I'm not, and I've been married for 22 years, so right. that would probably be inappropriate. <laughs> Unless you were, you know, in an open relationship. There yeah, are some yeah. open relationships on there. Yeah. Seeking, oh, it's all seeking. the rage. There's tons of them. It's crazy to me. <laughs> That's when Brady gets the most excited about his matches. It's when it's a couple. Uh-huh. Well, again, I think, um, you know, and that's the thing, too, with the um, the whole dating 
apps and 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 actively seeking matches and all of this sort of stuff again if you're if you look at your what is my intention to that is my intention then to go out and get laid or is my intention to like try to find somebody i can connect with and find a deeper relationship with you know and i think um so i think it's fine uh to be to to to, to use those modalities to meet other people again are you pleasure seeking or are you trying to uh you know um do something that's 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 healthy and it's going to further your 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 life, you know, your pursuit of a wholehearted life. Yeah, know? then that one's hard because I start out with good intentions, right? But then it shifts to more pleasure seeking, just on those kind of apps. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you go in, okay, I'm looking understandable. For, I'm looking for this, and then you see this, and it's like. You know, and that's I'll where pleasure it. is a powerful thing because you know you get lost right. in the pursuit of it. Or I'm just doing research. <laughs> there you go. Well, that's what you asked me the other night at aftercare. What? Why are you like? What are you looking for? I think is what. Yeah. What do you? You know? said. Yeah. And that's Which kind is, of what Brent was what just saying. You, you know, are you seeking? are you seeking? You know the the pleasure side of it, or like a validation side, or are you looking for you know healthy connections and. Um, you know, I don't know, some type of do you, you well, know, vulnerability. We're talking, I mean, this is about it, it, the, the, the issue here, though, is and I'm, I'm not saying no, actually, I mean, I'm reeling that one right back in because it's not an issue. The one of the I think components of this is is possibly, and you guys can correct me because I don't have experience with it, but it's not about being vulnerable, there's no vulnerability in here, it's because there's there's it's not real. It's 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 perceived. It's perceived. It's perceived value based upon um, a criteria on a uh, an inanimate object, which is your phone. There's no actual interaction. There's no face to face. There's no real body language associated with this. Is which is where most communication comes from, and so in some ways, it's an extension of the masks that you know we were talking about earlier. And again, I'm not. I'm not putting. I'm not. I'm saying this only to maybe hold it what it is but you know you brent brent just said it you know if if it's about developing wholehearted relationships and living a wholehearted life then on some level we're looking for vulnerability in ourselves and 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 seeking to maybe be that with others be content with others yeah so i mean and be content and 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 friendship is, is often sometimes easier to do that in because there's not all the expectations of what a, what go along with a partnership, and then what all that all means, and socially, and family, and in society, and so on. So I, I get that this becomes complicated. I just think, though, we when we talk about you know using using these some of these systems, it's important to be honest with ourselves. They have a tendency to create a distance away from vulnerability and and intimacy. So. That's yeah. an interesting point because I've thought about it, it. Like, what is my hang up with getting on some of the dating sites? Is it because I'm not willing to be vulnerable? I've, I've almost thought about it as like maybe I'm not willing to be vulnerable. Is that a problem? Is that something that I need to look at? Is 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 am I being unwilling to be vulnerable by putting myself out there on these different dating sites or whatever? Or you know what the, what is that all about what's what's been my aversion to doing that and it's something i've been looking at and really it boils down to i just am not ready to really <laughs> still just working on myself you know and not really ready to i don't know i'm being a little self i just focus on myself and not really willing to 
You were going to say being selfish, weren't you? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm just, uh, yeah, I think I am being selfish. I'm just not, uh, it just sounds sounds funny to say It sounds like such a pain in the ass. I don't know. It really does. (laughs) But at the same time, yeah, I mean, yeah, ultimately, I I would like to find somebody that I can um, connect with and, and, and have a, and have a healthy partnership with. And, and it seems like in today's society, at, at, at my at, at my age or at our age, I should say as well, is that it seems like it's the easiest route to go is to get on the social dating sites, you know, mm-hmm. to find people. So yeah, I guess I, the only reason I, I did because I was pretty against it at first, and I think the only reason is because I don't know where else to meet new people. I'm at work with, mm-hmm. I work at a daycare center, you know, with a bunch of other women. I do a ton of stuff in recovery and it's all the same groups and friendships and then I'm with family and I mean this is kind of horrible but the place that I would have probably met someone in the past if I was single was the bar and right yeah you know so it was kind of if I want to put myself out there to start dating and meeting new people I felt like that was kind of the option at this point you know yeah you kind of have either those apps or 13th step in yeah those are kind of your right yeah (laughs) your outlets (laughs) <laughs> but anyways, it's funny that you brought up the vul- it's an, it's almost it's not being vulnerable because that kind of clicked because that's something that I've been processing personally is like am I being am I being unwilling to be vulnerable by not participating in these dating sites? But I liked your spin on it. That well, it's I'm saying the, the initial part and, and, and right and because the 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 I mean how we're talking about it from the sense of pleasure seeking and the idea of it creating some kind of reward system for us you know there right. is this reward of i love it the ding the reward, ding you know, it just <laughs> fires yeah. in my head yeah the the bell goes off and i get my little pellet of food dropped down yeah you know? i mean it's 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 like that but there's still it doesn't mean that there's not an opportunity to be vulnerable right yeah i, mean, I was gonna that, say all the first dates i've been on i mean that's no, there. That, you know, you definitely become vulnerable, or you you have the opportunity to be vulnerable at some point if you choose to. Yeah. It's, it's just how you but how you approach, it, like you said. Yeah. Your there are plenty of folks on there that are about finding a partner for real. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's just about you know being willing to look. Yeah. But I get. I don't think there's anything wrong with not wanting. I don't think that says that it's an indictment in any way that you don't get on them at all. Yeah, I yeah, don't see it all, but that doesn't. It's not ready yet, I guess. But yeah, which is fine. I, I mean, I, okay, honestly, what the fuck does it matter? It, yeah. it doesn't matter exactly. You, it's, it's, the, the, just to think that there. I mean, I'm, I'm not laughing at you, but anyways, I say to think there's some would be something wrong with me because I don't want to do something like that. Yeah. That I want to. My self care is the most important thing right now, <laughs> and I'm really focused on discovering myself. Right. That that mean that seems more rational thinking. And again, I'm not putting yeah. I'm not putting the other side down. But coming from someone who's been in a long term relationship, you know, I, I don't have the, the 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 street cred to talk about you know dating and and looking for a partner in the same way. So I get that. I, I you know it's not currently in my vernacular. So yeah. yeah, that's definitely a balance. I'm trying to find the balance between continuing my self discovery and keeping that in check am i putting myself first still and mm-hmm. and i have been keeping that awareness very heightened within the dating life and if i fall in short then i bring it i reel it back in quick making sure i am still doing my self-care putting myself first that's not something i wanted 
or was willing to sacrifice or get lost in by going out there and starting to date again. I'm not saying that can't swoop in and, you know, here and there, but I try and be in check on that. Um, one of the things that we want to talk about today that kind of correlates to some of the things we've, we've already been conversing about is the, the notion that um, hurt people hurt people. And um, on the other side of that, then healed people or heal people. Um, and and this, this terminology, hurt people hurt people, is um, sometimes misunderstood. But it, it, the, the premise is, I believe, somewhat simple, that if I'm hurting inside, that if something I, I feel is torn um, or wounded in me and I don't address that, then I have a tendency to project that wound onto other people around me. Meaning that if my hurting gets displaced or projected onto family, friends, um, partners, those kinds of things. On the other side of that, though, is this notion that if I'm in a healed place inside, then I have a tendency to more pre- present a, a healing influence or a healing energy in my relationships and my family and my partnerships and um, at work even. Um, and this this uh, this notion comes up quite often in our lives, especially when it comes to relational dynamics um, and you know relationships. Um, and regardless of what kind of relationship it is, I mean, this happens in families, um, that it happens obviously in, in partnerships, it happens at work, it happens everywhere. It happens on Facebook with people we don't even know. Um, and of course, I, I bring up Facebook and social media because um, people will say things too in texting that sometimes they won't also say, they won't say to somebody's face. So, um, wh- where do you guys want to go? We'll go with this this notion and, and this idea, um, and and I think part of and I won't say I think I know part of this, and and part of this concept is also woven into the um, some of the mantras that uh, we have in the self help communities and in the personal growth communities, recovery communities. Um, uh, don't take things personally, because <laughs> whatever else somebody's experiencing and going through is not about us. It's about them. And then the other sort of side of that mantra, which is it's never about them, no matter who they are, uh, that meaning that what's ever going on for me is about me and that nobody can really hurt me. I must I they may they may touch upon something in me that may that that may represent something I've where I've been hurt or wounded. And not taking things personally, of course, is one of the, the four agreements and uh, one, of, one of those important, important foundations uh, or tenets to, to work to live our lives by. So let's open this up. Where do you guys want to go with this one? Well, I mean, I think it's a, a, a very powerful concept to be aware of whenever um, I'm in a state of like anger or because I've been hurt or because I felt like I've been, you know, been done wrong, I guess would be the way to say it, to be aware of not projecting that onto other people, um, displacing that, 
the hurtful feelings onto people that I normally it seems like for me it, it would go again it would go towards people I, I really care about and wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't want to hurt them in any other way but then when you again when you feel wounded I think it's a lot really human nature to want to do that you know like you've been wronged and so you feel like you got to get your piece of flesh too um but to be aware of that, yeah, to be aware sarcasm of that. Sarcasm, too, the tearing of flesh, yes. Sarcasm is huge, too, yeah. Uh, that can go, that can be very hurtful. And um, so to be aware of that. And uh, on the flip side of that, again, I, I can, it really resonates with me, too, that um, if you're in a place of, of healing or you're in a good spot, you're, you're in an ability to, to heal other people. And I think I find that a lot in being grateful for the friendships that I've developed uh, through the recovery community because I feel like we're all striving to uh, be healed and, and to be in a healing place and we're able to heal one another in the process of so when somebody's hurting we're able to to, to heal them and, and I think it's um, definitely one of the things I look back I wouldn't want to I, I don't wish recovery on anybody it'd be great if <laughs> if uh, you never had to go through that process of you know, being addicted and um, having things to work on, but for me, it's it's also been bittersweet because uh, on the flip side, I've developed great friendships that have allowed me to be vulnerable with them, mm-hmm. and in turn, that's translated into other relationships in my life. I've been able to take that foundation and and be vulnerable to friends that I've had for a long time that I didn't feel like I really could, you know, previously. And uh, and also with family relationships as well, I feel like I've been able to be more vulnerable and and uh, be more of a positive force in in their lives than 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 being a negative force. So it really is uh, a blessing and, and a curse, if you will. Um, but I am grateful for that. But I think it is important to to recognize that when when you are hurting, to Try not to, to propagate that, you know, sure. uh, onto other people. Well, and maybe this this really coincides with what you're saying too is that it's okay to be vulnerable with that. It's okay to be vulnerable with the hurting, but not to project it on right onto someone else. There's there's also another component to this too, um, and maybe this fits in a little bit to one of the things that you were addressing. There is the notion that sometimes. We actually hurt the people that we feel safe with, you know. Mm-hmm. Like we 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 don't always go out and 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 project that onto just about anyone. I mean, that does ha- that could happen. But there's this notion or this idea that if I'm safe with someone, that it's okay for me to <laughs> hurt the hurt the ones we love, so to speak, because there's a certain safety in that. It almost it it, it seems like it's okay, even though rationally maybe that doesn't make any sense and. And if, if behind it, on some level, maybe there's a willingness to be vulnerable, what comes out can be ven- venomous at times. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think the problems begin. Now, not taking that personally definitely helps. Not taking someone else's um, issues on, but being willing to hear them. So if in, in a case like when someone's you know, um, venting on us or, 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 and this reminds me of the story you were talking about the other night, Sarah, this is why I'm, I'm kind of yeah. going full circle with this is the idea that, you know, someone came at me and, 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 and would say things that are, are meant to harm. They're, they're said in such a way that they're, they're meant to wound. I mean, that's at least 
the the um, maybe the intention or the power behind it to put someone else down so I feel better about myself because I'm actually hurting inside and I don't know what to do with this stuff. Yeah, I definitely feel that way. And now as you guys, you know, as you're talking, Brent, I was thinking about my situation basically in being that, you know, I, I was, I felt wronged by someone recently and felt like they you know it was an attack on me a personal you know again like you said to wound me and I'm playing this in my head as not taking things personally and I played this out actually before I ever responded to this person (laughs) after um, they said what they said do I not take things personally and just know that this is about them this isn't about me (laughs) and you know, more or less be the bigger person and just let them sit with that mm-hmm. and not retaliate. Mm-hmm. And then the other side, the flip side of that that came into mind was, but I also want to, I mean, protect myself in a way, or mm-hmm. I want to stand up for myself, I guess is maybe a better way to put it. I, here's, Someone uh, yeah. that came at me and hurt me sure. on purpose, and whether you know, I'm, I was quite sure that that was based off of being hurt inside already. Whether that had to do with some things with you or some something else, right? I think a lot of it inter- was internal, um, yeah. and some of it maybe having to do with me as well. But regardless, well, my, that, the, the, your part would be that you may have triggered that in the other person. This right. is this is that note. This is the idea that. If, if somebody responds to us in a certain way, if we could just step back for that moment and kind of get a broader picture and go, oh, I've just triggered something in that person. Yeah. Not intentionally, necessarily. Exactly. And or I, and or I was, maybe, but, you know. <laughs> right. And, and it definitely wasn't what I, whatever I triggered was not intentional. That was me just being me and mm-hmm. being authentic and, mm-hmm. you know, saying what I needed to say that was honest. Mm-hmm. And however that came across definitely struck a chord within this person that do you think you were just being assertive in this moment yes okay yeah and and so i guess that was my power struggle of do i just realize that this isn't about me this is about them and just let it be and just be at peace knowing that i'm oh you know i'm I'm not going to take on what they're saying Mm -hmm. or do I look at it as this person just wronged me and I'm going to stand up for myself and I am going to do some retaliation because you, you know, kind of a, you can't talk to me like that, you know, kind of a, I, yeah. I feel like I've been disrespected at certain times. Are you talking I've, to me? Yeah. Are you talking to me? That's kind of, that's kind of where I ended with it was, you know, kind of a, you know, fuck you. You can't talk to me like that without getting a piece back. Yeah. Right. And, <laughs> And I'm still debating whether that was the right or wrong thing to do. But regardless, I I did decide to respond. And some of it was, you know, came from a a, a good place saying, you know, I, I hope that you don't do this in the future to other people. That makes me kind of sick to think that, you know, you're going to be treating other women this way. Mm-hmm. And then some of it was just, I'm going to attack you right back and hurt you where I know it will hurt and I do feel like that was 
maybe not the best thing to do, but at the same time, I have I have to admit, and if I'm going to be completely honest, I haven't felt horribly about it. Um, and <laughs> you I feel think, good to rub his face in the shit is what you're trying to yeah, say, sir. Yeah, and I guess and I guess to a point that comes a little back bit. to <laughs> I guess to a point that comes back to when we're hurting people we love, when we're hurting people we care about. Mm-hmm. I have done that before too, especially in my addiction. Yeah, and. Then I mean, there's there's probably no worse feeling once you have that realization. Mm-hmm. For me, at least, of I've hurt people I've loved, and you know I've projected my shit onto yeah. them in this moment because I didn't care a lot about this person. Maybe that's why I'm not feeling as much remorse about it, and mm-hmm. it was more of a you know this is who I am, and I'm going to demand respect, and if you're going to talk to me that way. I'm going to let you know I'm not okay with you talking to me that way. Is there a better way to do it? Possibly. But at the same time, I I did have that internal struggle of if I just let it go, does that mean I'm not backing myself and I'm not being strong and being assertive? And I've had such a problem in the past with being assertive that maybe I want to be overly assertive at times now. And I've done that a lot within relational dynamics I've noticed this last year being you know incredibly assertive because I lacked it so Mm -hmm. much in the past and and so maybe it's finding a balance you know but you're you're learning to navigate your way through right yeah Yeah. and and again I don't want to I don't think this is about defining right and wrong right Right. it's it's more about you know learning from ourselves and if, if we do do something and we were projecting it that we take accountability and move on. Yeah, you know, and, and and that's, I mean, that that maybe that's more on the healing side, and maybe when we become more more focused on on the that aspect that we realize in this, you know, again full circle, accepting our part, taking accountability, moving on, and and not taking this shit personally. Right. That, that, and, but, but this is going to happen. I mean, people are going to do. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say things sometimes that are not about anyone else, or just about me, and they're about what what I'm feeling and experiencing. And maybe I'm not keeping everything inside the container perfectly. <laughs> it's true, and and I think not taking it personally. I think I knew it was about him, but because there must be some even small amount still of insecurity that I didn't realize Mm -hmm. was there. Mm -hmm. What was said hit me enough where even though I knew it wasn't personal, Mm -hmm. I still felt a personal attack, you know, and that's where I want to do some work as well. You know, realizing that even if I know it's okay, this is about him. And I did know that I I said that out loud and I talked to people about it, but at the same time, there was still some inner, truth to it or something yes. that was enough for me to to have that want to have that reaction instead of just saying just let it go you know let it be it brings the idea or the concept that we teach people how to treat us yeah and and that's the weird part of this i think when we you know that it's okay you know i we in, in some way we tell them you know here here are my buttons and if you and i'll teach you how to you know which ones to push and you push that one you know you'll get this reaction if you put this one i'll hurt that one will make me angry you know this one will make me leave 
right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I've this one I'll, I'll argue with yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I... I'll tell you what a terrible person you are, right? (laughs) And that's basically what I did. (laughs) So he taught you that, too, right? He taught me that, too. He taught me about his weaknesses and his buttons, and so I I did push back. But but the interesting part about that was, going back to the healing, people heal, was in this same, you know, I mean, I don't even want to say relationship, but the same dynamic of interaction between this person and I, there were times where I was definitely playing that I, I feel healed, so I'm trying to heal and help you, you know, mm-hmm. as he was struggling with life things and was being pretty open and vulnerable about those things. I guess later came back to bite him in the ass, but, you know, when he was at first, that was, I was definitely taking on that role too. So it's, you can definitely play those same, you can play the hurting or the healing mm-hmm in the same relationships and it's very dependent on yes you know, good point. How, very you know, good point and yeah. it can change it literally changed within you know a 30 minute period or something from me being you know are you okay how are you doing and being that person mm-hmm. to this individual True. to wow you just hurt me and bam yourself. I'm yeah exactly <laughs> yeah, go fuck yourself I'll tell you how I really feel and and that <laughs> It's, it is interesting how fast that can change, and yeah, it's a it's a fine line between uh, advocating for yourself and um, and also hurting somebody. I think. Thank you. you advocating know? that was the word I was looking for. Yeah, I mean, I think I think what you, I mean, I, I definitely understand you wanting to, you know, feel uh, stand up for yourself, you know, and it is a, it's 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 a, again it's a fine line between advocating for yourself and and wanting to intentionally hurt somebody and and the thing that i liked the best about what you said was um i can look back on it and take accountability for my part in it and and learn from it and move you know for exactly. the future so i mean that's that's really the best part about it i think yeah yeah, yeah. Sure. i think just always looking at what was my intention and how can i can i improve that next time yeah. and and I'm I'm sure I could. <laughs> well, uh, can it is can what, we all? It, you right? know, it is yeah. what it is. Yeah, you know, we, yep. live it, live and learn is one of those one of the most simplest statements, simple <laughs> simplest statements there is. But it is also so true. Yeah. And again, not not to punish ourselves and 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 do things based upon you know internalized belief systems that create shame either. You know that that, that I'm not. I'm, I, yeah, I can make a mistake, and and and, but it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with me. In fact, it only more or less validates that I'm a human being. Right. Yeah, and maybe that's why I don't feel remorse because I just go, yeah. it's what I did, and I'm learning from it, and I'm learning from the situation prior to like what right. led up to this, and I'm yeah. learning from my response to it. And as long as I can be aware of those things sure. and learn from them, then I don't need to feel shame or beat myself up over them and I'm glad I'm to that point at least because that wasn't always the case and I think a big part of what you said earlier Paul was that teach you teach people you know how to treat you and that has become such an important piece for mm-hmm. me that I know that some of my response stemmed from that too you know part of it was advocating for myself which I didn't used to do and part of it was you know 
this is the things you said, these things are not okay with me. Right. And maybe I can say them in a different way next time. And that's what I can, you know, learn from. But I am so weary of, I don't want to go back to the dating thing, but you know, that does play a part because they are new people and you're, you know, you're putting yourself out there when you actually do, you know, meet them in person and stuff. And I'm trying to be so cautious of teaching people how to treat me mm-hmm. and, you know, like how, kind of what I feel like I deserve because right. for the first time in a long time I I really feel like I deserve a lot because I really truly love myself mm-hmm. and and because that's such a big thing to me now that I don't want to say I'm going to be overly picky but I I will be very assertive in telling people when I'm not okay with certain things be overly picky what, what what's wrong with that Okay, maybe I'll be overly. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> is, that's is true. There? No, it's not. No, and you're right. There, I think, I think that doesn't mean you give. You know, it doesn't I mean you give everyone a fair chance. And I'm not right. just talking about dating, but friendships and everything. Oh, for, yeah. But yes, you know. Yeah, I think, and I ultimately choose. On, I guess I'm just saying, not level. putting unrealistic expectations out there is maybe a better way to put it than being picky. Sure. You know, not expecting perfection from people or expecting that they're always going to say and do the right things sure. you know i guess that's more where i'm coming from is knowing that every as i am everyone mm-hmm. is human people will make mistakes people will say things at times that might be hurtful right. and not always you know maybe they will learn from that as well and if they're in that mindset then that's okay but at the same time you know finding a line of how much am I willing to, you know, kind of put up with? Or well, it's you not black to and white either. Yourself? Yeah, it's not black and white. And yeah. and to take this situation and apply it to the, you know, the whole thing is probably not realistic either. I mean, it's not. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it's just it. And any 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 encounter any in, encounter that we have to take that one encounter and to you know take that in umbrella over a whole relationship is probably not rational that yes maybe there you know are things that i I, you know that i I don't always see in in certain instances or i want to believe things are a certain way i've done this in in the work environment um notice that i've 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 had certain expectations about um you know relational dynamics and maybe responsibilities within the workplace and then come to find out that they things don't always work out the way I thought they would and then um, you know maybe go and talk to somebody about that and they tell me yeah no that that's probably not a, you know not what to expect out of me at this point even though you know I had an expectation does that then I it seems unra- it seems rash irrational to then project that onto the whole the whole environment even though I've done that before by all right haven't yeah. we all yeah yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyone else have anything on that? You got anything? Uh, well, one thing I want to say, I, I don't know to open up much discussion, but um, the idea of taking something personal and how directly like, correlated it is with how much you care about what people think. Like, I'm definitely susceptible for taking things personal if I care so much about what people think. And that has been like a thing... Like, that would be my... I don't know that you can ever not care entirely what people think, but that would be a goal in life. (laughs) 
man, if I could just shed the attachment to how I'm perceived by other people, it feels like that would be super liberating. Mm -hmm. But as long as, you know, if I have that in a more overwhelming way or whatever, it's like I'm open myself up, right, to being hurt by people. Does that resonate? There's a, yeah, there's a direct correlation between how 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 much you're going to take things personal and to how, and how much you think about people. Exactly. Or, or, you know, how much you, or how much that you're concerned what? about what people think about you. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's what there's I was a direct thinking. Correlation there's there's got to be like a yeah, direct correlation. I feel like there. it is. I, that resonates with me. I can understand that. Yeah, I think so too. That definitely played a role in my situation. I think caring what... Yeah, because if I really didn't give a fuck what you think, then, you know, you can't hurt me. It wouldn't hurt me. You can't can't hurt me, right? And it's like, sometimes I give um, people that I don't even know power. Power. Like, I I don't even know you, but I care so much what you think, (laughs) right? Yeah. (laughs) So much, yes. Yeah, and and the thing is, yeah, then I kind of let it play on to... And that's what I'm trying to work on right now is, okay, the things that he said that, you know, I obviously cared about because I let them affect me, like you said, not letting them roll into future experiences <laughs> and not holding on to them or taking them so personally that I'm going to have a new belief about myself. And that's been kind of hard, but. Yeah, caring what people it. think is a crazy thing. Like I recently put my hair up in a man bun. And the first time I went out with my hair up in a man bun, I was so conscious of everyone's eyeballs. <laughs> like, are they looking at my man looking, bun? Are they oh making God. fun of me because this is lame? Like, I feel like this is lame. Why am I doing it? Well, I want to do something different. You know what I mean? And it was just a barometer for me in terms of man you really still you you and and I think you always will on some level but you care a lot <laughs> you know <laughs> you, you, it was an exercise though in sure. fuck it fuck right. yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. what you you're telling me I look like a hipster is that what you're trying to say <laughs> all right anything else you guys got on that one i mean that i think uh, i think i feel the notion of healing and 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 taking that energy in into a situation but also possibly maybe having you know the the other role come in the hurt hurt people hurt people role is is normal that it's not always going to be black and white one or the other and just having awareness about these kinds of situations and being and being willing to be fallible and make mistakes and and catch ourselves and take accountability and you know, then just direct our attention on which role we want to play and move on. It's just a healthy way to go about it. It's it's not going to make probably that much difference in the in the in the long run. All right. As long as I'm accountable, it won't make that much difference in the long run. All right. Uh, this issue we didn't know if we want to talk about, but I'm going to talk about it. Um, and I'm not talking about Kavanaugh. <laughs> I'm going to talk about the other one. Um, not going there. <laughs> and we, we can we can talk about Judge Kavanaugh too, but um, it's not you know it, it's not really about him because he's not really the problem. Um, but let's let's talk about the safe injection sites uh, that I, I mentioned because um, Philadelphia is going to be the first city in the United States that has. 
um, decided to open up a safe injection site uh, where um, those that are addicted or dependent upon um, a substance, it's most likely going I mean, heroin is the primary one that's being used in, in these cases, but I, I think that they do allow people to come in with other issues, including methamphetamine. Um, they come into an office. There is a, a medical professional there. Um, they're being observed. They're given uh, a clean syringe. Um, the, the conditions are sanitary. So the, if they have a disease or, um, that they, or if someone else does, they won't be passing those on. Um, they get counseling in that moment. They're also um, a mental health examination is done um, so they can find out if there are, are, are serious mental health issues that need to be addressed. Um, in the sense of a crisis mode. And also they're educated about treatment options that are available. And when they're ready, they are given and offered treatment. So um, there's a lot of controversy around this, which, you know, I have an opinion there shouldn't be. Um, uh, but I'm, I'm open and in, in, in interested in what you, uh, the, the Bozo Roundtable, thinks about this because... Um, there, there is a, there is, there's going to be a, a lot of discussions coming up. I think we're just at the beginning of it. This being the official first one, to be honest with you, there are sites that are open now, but they're just flying completely under the radar. Um, that are, are following this model that they use in Canada and throughout Europe, and um, for the, the majority of it, it's been very, very successful. Uh, Portugal and Sweden and Germany all have, and I'm, I believe Germany. I'm, I'm sorry if I'm wrong on that have seen great success with this model and it and, and the numbers of people that the transfer of disease is much lower um overdose obviously is gets cut down to a, a practically practically zero because if there is an overdose there's someone right there and they could administer um the, the narcan or whatever needs to be done the naltrexone um, and then having the availability for counseling and treatment um, has cut down on a, a number of another, another issues. Um, it's also, they're finding out less uh, transmission of sexual diseases, and crime is also seems to be decreasing in, in these areas where this has been instigated. That's all the positive stuff. <laughs> I realize that I have a bias here, um, but I'm curious what you guys think. Well, one thing I'll say, and I don't know if I have too strong of an opinion on it, um, simply because what I, well, I guess what I do have a strong opinion on is needing to change the behavior behind how we treat drug use yes. in the United States. Yes. Right? I strongly uh, oppose the black and white, you know, possession prison um, approach. I... It's nuanced. I don't, you know, you'll never, I don't feel like I'll ever be an advocate for legalization of something like heroin, methamphetamine, cocaine. Decriminal, decriminalizing it is yeah. definitely something I wholeheartedly feel like is an approach that will make a much bigger difference, right? Okay. Um, I don't think you could, you know, walk down you should be able to walk down to your corner store and pick up heroin right like that's not the idea here now how, how no do that's you, definitely not the idea no and just to be clear on that because like I was having a conversation the other day with someone and that's what they interpreted mm -hmm. decriminalization to be 
um, how to institute that, you know, these safe injection sites, you know, how to go about it. Who knows? And I'm sure we'll have missteps. What I am all for is um, cautiously stepping into a new methodology with how we treat it. And a new paradigm. And I totally support that. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, I appreciate I appreciate your your openness and willingness and uh, to to look at this a little differently. Um, part of the stigma that gets associated with this is the stereotyping of drug addicts, um, and and then of course the idea that this is to we're talking about legalizing drugs, which is is not the case at all, um, and. Decriminalization is, is definitely one way to begin some of the healing process, but it is it, it, this idea of of offering um, safe and uh, sanitary locations for people to be and to use their drugs instead of the 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 possibility of spreading disease. Um, and well, I mean, I think we can even shift how we talk about it. It's like we're providing safe and sanitary locations for people to come to and begin the process of getting help and treatment. And they're going to make that decision. It's the most powerful thing. It, it only works when you do it for yourself, right. right? So, yeah, they might use, you know, but the idea here is they're going to have no choice by going into these safe injection sites, I right. think they're going to have no choice but to begin receiving education and understanding on how their life doesn't can be enhanced and better without this substance, right? Like, it, it removes um, a lot of the fear, and it would remove a lot of the roadblocks that might prevent someone from being courageous enough to take that step sure. to, to let these things go. Well, it is also accepting these people where they are mm-hmm. instead of saying, well, you know, <laughs> you're going to be okay when you're this way. I mean, we, we, one of the, the, the most important aspects of being a counselor or a therapist is, and in many, in many fields, is uh, social work in, included, is you start where the client is. You start where the person is, not where you want them to be. Yeah. And so... If you can create an, it seems to me, it, it seems logical that if you can create an environment in which um, respect and safety um, are provided, that it gives an opportunity for change. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I, I know. It, it, listen, there's not. It's not going to be perfect. <laughs> I know no. it's not going to be perfect, but it's a starting point. You know. It, but if you look at what we have now, <laughs> if you look, I keep going away from the damn mic. If you look at what we have now, um, I mean, if you pull, you know, just the way the prison system is set up sure. and the way the drugs, you know, fuel it and how that all works, like that ain't working. No, no. So. And, I mean, we we don't. Here in, in Utah, we had a we had, used to have a spot that it's kind of moved around a little bit. It was called the Block, right? And the Block was notorious um, for like it would be in any urban area um, with lots of drug abuse, Skid Row, um, basically. Yeah, uh, lots of drug abuse, lots of crime, um, lots of sexual assault, um, a whole different environment, and of course, people sharing needles and um, lots of arrests. And I, I guess and lots of cost to the public, and a lot, a lot of cost, and um, a whole, and probably a, a menagerie of, of fear and and uh, other other emotional trauma and consequences that come along with that. 
Um, every every urban area and, and, and large town has has this type of location. If if we offer a safe area where the, the people can go to use their substances and then offer them options for treatment and counseling and medical care, will that you know give an incentive to begin and facilitate change? That's all I got to say. I like well, I like the concept of what you said about accepting uh, the people for where they're at, right? Because I think uh, people who are going to oppose this idea will be like, "Oh, you're just propagating use. You know, you're propagating people using drugs, and you're 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 promoting it." But you know, they're going when somebody's at that stage, uh, anyways, and they're going to be using drugs. Why why not accept them for for where they're at in life and provide them with an opportunity? To one, be safe about it, and two, you know, open the door for possible treatment, you right. know, and expose them to those ideas. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my question, just because I, I don't know a lot about this, so this is me just trying to learn sure, and ask questions. Course. So, how long are they planning? Like, is there a time limit or a time frame? You know, that they're they're going to be providing this. You know. I, I don't. I don't you know, know that. I know it because I'm curious about that. You know about the. Well, you know, they, how long if until they stop they, providing it, then it it just propagates the problem that existed before. Exactly. That's why I'm wondering. You so, know, like at at what point do they need to decide? Oh, I'm done, and I'm going to go back out to the streets and use, or I want to continue on yeah. and you know get help. And is there a time limit on that or not? And that's just yeah. me, just you know, wondering. As far as I don't think that's the well. Who knows? I mean, you can make up your own approach with it but i don't think the idea is to force anyone to ever do anything i think you know if they wanted to they could continue using these sites it is it uh, the initial premise is probably one of harm reduction okay so the idea is uh, how do we eliminate some of the harms that come from the the lifestyle um the uh, the criminality of this um, the spread of disease and, and so there's all right. these social and cultural components woven into this. I mean, that's why it's such a hot button issue. So the the time available, I mean, the, the cities that it's, this has been successful in, I mean, these are ongoing. It's been going on for years. This is not yeah. something that they just did like targeted and tested it with. Um, it, it's been going on long enough now that they can take a look and the research is there and the numbers are in. I think and even in my book, I list um, some of the 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 um, the value that has come from this, the data, the the positive data that's come from it. Um, uh, uh, the negative aspects of it, I, I don't have as much information on that. But there, the, I mean, the things that do cut down um, and and the decrease in, in the problems associated with drug dependency and abuse, um, th- those we know are getting much better. Yeah, yeah, those so, results are in basically. Yeah. But yeah, I think it that's, seems, really, that's really cool. It seems with our like, advanced bureaucratic government infrastructure something like this could be like well i mean it is like there just needs to be a buy-in from that system in order for it to work because of the liability and all that stuff with the way that's why it's such an overhaul i mean it is such an overhaul isn't it to really and that's cool i didn't know philadelphia you know, it seems like they're opening themselves up to a lot of liability by yeah. doing this because sure. it's not sanctioned. It's not, you know what I mean? That's right. And then the, the governor, uh, the ex-former uh, governor, um, Ed Randell, 
you know, said to the Justice Department, you know, come and arrest me if you're going to, that he's the one that's been promoting this and wanting to change this area of Philadelphia, which is the block. I mean, it's but it, it's not one block there. It's a number of blocks. It's a it's a section of the city. What? Very cool. Like, well, that's yeah. what it takes. I mean, change isn't easy. Like, you <laughs> no. know, and stepping out on a ledge like that and regardless of consequences, like, could set the stage for you know, based off the results and the experience of it. Sure. Yeah, it's just an innovative idea, basically, to look at it from that angle versus, you know, how are we going to fix them? Instead, how are we going to work with them to make Mm -hmm. sure it's done in a healthy manner, manner, opposed to, you know, we need to either, you know, imprison them or, you know, force them into treatment or, you know, instead it's just let's... You know, like you said, roll with their lifestyle to help them through it in a sure. healthier process, you sure. know, and that can eliminate so many other things. I mean, think about the impact that can have on lives, you know, all around the world yeah. when you start to remove some of those, you know, criminal acts or um, passing of disease that that happen at places like that. Yeah. I like the idea. <laughs> All right. I, I feel slight consensus here. Yeah, too bad we didn't have an opposing view. Yeah, no, we needed an opposing view. Okay. Um, all well, right. The, the funny thing on that point, I think most people feel this way if you really break it down. Like, it's it's interesting that it can't be legislated or put in place. Mm-hmm. Like, we were talking about this in my family with my mom and dad, and they were like, yeah, they see, you know, what we do doesn't work. It's just so crazy that I think if you polled America and really broke it down, uh-huh. most people are going to feel like the way we're doing it is just fucked. Mo- yeah, most people. Will, most will people. That. But yeah. even though most people feel like that, mm-hmm. it still doesn't mean that we're moving in that, you know. Well, and the people that don't sometimes make the biggest, you know. <laughs> have the biggest impact. Yeah, I mean, yeah, have the well, biggest voices. Or this is one of those social, social cultural issues um, that co- brings health care. It brings, um, you know, uh, the, the societal and, and health care norms and all these, uh, so many different things into play. And so it becomes a hot button issue. I mean, health care is, is obviously a huge issue for, for everyone pretty much all the time. Um, and half of us in here work in the healthcare industry, so in some form or another. All right, um, I guess we're going to bring it to a close pretty Let's quickly here. All right, All right. Um, any, any any parting words anyone has today? Uh, nah. let, what? No, not for me. I'm good. Namaste. 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 You guys, uh, you, you guys got plans for the weekend at all? Refuge recovery, recovery tonight. Refuge recovery <laughs> tonight. We'll be back here in a few hours. We'll oh, and then we have book club tomorrow. Book club. Book club it's going to be a lot of together time okay. for us three. A this lot weekend. of friendship, a lot of together <laughs> time, a lot of community, which seems to work. Go figure. Okay, thank you all for joining us again. Um, we'll be back. I'm not sure when. Um, we'll have to figure that out. We may have a, we may have a slightly different looking group next time, even though yeah, you can't really see it. us. Or we'll uh, see if we can, uh, you know. See in 2019. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You guys enjoy your trip. All right. We'll go out as we usually do. You know, with a little Joan Osborne. Have a good week. Love it.
Just like 